Friends, we have really missed worshiping with you in person over these past few weeks. And in particular, I really missed being with you on Easter Sunday. But it has been such a benefit to my family as we've studied the resurrection of Jesus over the last two weeks. And today we're going to look at that next great event in his life, the ascension into glory. So if you have your Bibles open, uh, you can read from Acts 1, 1 through 11, or follow along in your worship guide. These are the very written words of God. In the first book, O Theophilus, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach, until the day when he was taken up, after he had given commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. He presented himself alive to them after his suffering by many proofs appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. And while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, You heard from me. For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, It is not for you to know the times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And when he had said these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up, and a cloud took took him out of their sight. And while they were gazing into heaven as he went, Behold, two men stood by them in white robes, and they said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus, who was taken up from you into heaven, will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. Indeed, the grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our Lord stands forever. May he add his blessing to it. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, We do ask that you would illumine our hearts and minds to understand this text. We pray that you would encourage us and change us and make us more like Christ as we learn about his ascension. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, as the youth pastor here at Providence, I always have the privilege of watching our students go in August off to college. It's it's hard, but I'm always so excited for them. This year, my experience was a little bit different because I got to taste what it's like for the parents. One of our students, Cole Ray, was going off to Texas A&M, and I got to see firsthand how hard that is for his father. I remember it like it was yesterday. We would come into the office all that week, and whether it was Allie or Allison or myself, we would be asking David, When is Cole leaving? Has he packed his room? Is he excited? How are his roommates feeling? And every time we would ask, the answers would get shorter and shorter and shorter. And pretty soon, David just kind of stopped coming out of his office. I could just tell, I could just feel how sad this was going to be when Cole left. His, His presence was going to really be missed in the Ray home. And so the day came. I came up to the church, Cole and David stopped by so I could say goodbye, and Cole got out and we had a great heartfelt goodbye. And then I looked over to David 
and there was no eye contact, no words were exchanged. They just got back in the car, and off they went. You know, even though Cole was going to be a few hours away, and he was going to come home often, visit over holidays, long weekends, David would be able to go down there to watch the Aggies play football and see his son. You could tell that it was still just so hard to say goodbye to someone who's lived in your home for 18 years, who you've protected and raised and loved and cherished. Well, David came back, and I just, I'm so glad I wasn't there when he drove off of the campus after the final drop-off, because I just can't imagine how hard it was. When I think about Elizabeth leaving in 25, 30 years when I let her go, if I let her go, I can't even, it just, it breaks my heart to even consider. Well, those days that followed Cole's departure, we didn't bring the subject up. It was just too tender to talk about. And I would think that that's exactly how the disciples felt when Jesus was leaving. You would think that they would be heartbroken at his departure. But interestingly, Luke doesn't record the ascension only here at Acts. He also writes about it in his gospel. And so if you flip back uh, into Luke chapter 24, and you look at verses 51 through 53, he records their exact reaction. It reads like this, Jesus parted from them and was carried up into heaven, and they worshipped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy. Now that's surprising, with great joy. They were continually going to the temple and blessing God. Their reaction seems strange at first, but the reality is this. Jesus' ascension should cause us to have great joy and it should even evoke worship in all of us. And so that's what we're going to look at today. We're going to see a few reasons why it is really a good thing that Jesus ascended into heaven rather than staying here on earth. So let's just let's look at our text and kind of get, get a little bit more familiar with this. So look at the first five verses. In the first book, O Theophilus, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach. Until the day when he was taken up, after he had given commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen, he presented himself alive to them after his suffering by many proofs, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. So what's going on here? Luke is filling in the gaps of what Jesus was doing in those 40 days. He was making himself known as the Messiah. He was proving that he had been raised from the dead by his father. And he was teaching and explaining what the kingdom of God was going to look like. And so all of this would have been so exciting if you were one of the disciples. It would have been really encouraging. Think of how confident you would be after each time he appeared that he had really risen from the dead. You know, I think of Peter diving off the boat and swimming to shore to be with Jesus or the disciples on the road to Emmaus when he opened up the Old Testament scriptures and explained it to them, and their hearts were warmed by it. They would have been so encouraged and would have never wanted him to leave. I wouldn't want him to leave. So it would have been a blessing. But Jesus was also taking the time to prepare them for when he goes. So pick up in verse 6. When they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? 
What a great question, a question that I think any of us would have asked. He's teaching about the kingdom. He's appearing and disappearing. He's shown himself in glory and power. Yeah, I think it's time for the kingdom to be established. In their eyes, there's no reason for Jesus to go and leave. But what Jesus is going to do is show that their, their view of his kingdom is a bit too small. Look at verse 7 through 9. He said to them, It's not for you to know the times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority. So, I'm not setting up my kingdom now. That's, that's for a later time that the Father's determined. I'm not setting it up here on earth until later. But look at 8. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and the ends of the earth. So he's going to leave, but he's not going to leave them alone. He's going to send the Spirit. Look at verse 9. And so when he had said these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up and a cloud took him out of their sight. And with those final words, Jesus is taken up to heaven before their eyes and he is lifted up in a cloud which obscures him from their view. It's such an interesting way for Jesus to leave. And the detail describing the way that he goes is really, it's, it's helpful to understand what a major moment this is in the life of Jesus. But we need the context of all of Scripture to really get that. This cloud should remind us of the Shekinah glory. It should be reminding us of that glory cloud that represented the presence of Yahweh. You know, the cloud that hid the Israelites in the book of Exodus from the Egyptian armies as they crossed the Red Sea. That same cloud that led them through the wilderness. The one that descended on Mount Sinai when the law is given to Moses. The one that's dwelling in the tabernacle and filling Solomon's temple. You know, you jump ahead into the New Testament and it appears again when Jesus on the Mount of Olives is transfigured. And three of the disciples see him in his glory and then the cloud comes and hides him from their sight. And now, here it is again. It's taking him to go and be with the Father. There's a sense of finality in his departure. It's not like in the 40 days when he would appear and disappear. He's really gone and left. Wouldn't you be sad? I would be wondering to myself, how can him be leaving be a good thing? Well, understanding why he had to go and what it meant for him is helpful here. And it also helps us to understand what it means for us. So he was returning to his former state of glory and power. Jesus prayed in John 17, 5, Father, glorify me in your own presence with the glory that I had with you before the world existed. His ascension is showing us that he is going to be crowned King of Kings and Lord of Lords. This is fulfillment of Psalm 110, when he goes and the Father says, Sit at my right hand, and I will make your enemies your footstool. God Almighty is welcoming his Son back into the kingdom, and he is now going to give him the authority to rule and reign over the entire universe. The picture in Daniel 7 is so glorious. Just, just, if you have your Bible, flip back to Daniel 7 and look at verses 13 and 14. 
Daniel writes, I saw in the night visions, and behold, with the clouds of heaven there came one like the Son of Man, and he came to the Ancient of Days, and he was presented before him. And to him was given dominion and glory and a kingdom. You know, Jesus is receiving this great glory. He's receiving this great kingdom. He's being crowned as Lord of all. And in so doing, he is also, for our sakes, becoming the great high priest who intercedes on our behalf, who's our advocate, and whose inheritance we share. His ascension is awesome, and it's seen all throughout Scripture. It's really, it's an amazing truth. And so the disciples, when they see Jesus ascend, have great joy. It was a gift to them, and it is a gift to us. We might ask the question, why didn't he stay and send his Holy Spirit? You know, it was good for him to go. He was preparing his disciples that he was going to leave. He even told them in John that it's to their advantage that he goes so that he would send his spirit. But we might ask, why wouldn't he stay and send his spirit? Well, there are lots of reasons. And I just want to look at one that I think might be helpful in understanding this. One of the reasons the ascension is a benefit to believers can be found in our suffering because this was part of his plan. And that sounds strange to our ears, but it's true. Had he set up his kingdom here and now, he would be ruling and reigning and subduing this earth and there wouldn't be suffering. But what the Bible tells us is that there is an allotted amount of time for suffering in this world. And it has great purpose. It's hard it's not easy to endure, but it has a purpose. Look at, what, look at just what Paul writes in Colossians 1. You know, before we say that, Jesus said, in this world you are going to have trouble and trials and tribulations. As Christians, we are going to suffer for the sake of Christ. But Paul really helps. In Colossians 1, 1 verse 24, he writes this. Now I rejoice, I take joy in my sufferings for your sake. And in my flesh I am filling up what is lacking in Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body that is the church. Now what does Paul mean here? That he finds joy in his sufferings. What he's saying is that because of his sufferings, one, we have that he's fulfilling the calling of believers to suffer for and with Christ. He's identifying with the sufferings of Jesus Christ that's found throughout the New Testament. But also, he's saying here that his suffering is a benefit to the church. Friends, there is a clear allotted amount of time in which Jesus isn't here. We have to wait. He told his disciples just earlier in Acts, it's not for you to know the day or the season or the time that I'm coming back or that I'm establishing my kingdom. So there's a period of time in which he's not going to rule and subdue the earth in the way we would like him to. So there's an allotted amount of time that there's going to be suffering and affliction. But in that suffering and affliction, we know our Savior all the more. And Paul's saying in his being afflicted, 
the reconciling work of the gospel is being presented to those who need Jesus. As God is gathering together his elect in the suffering that's taking place, the gospel is being shown, people are coming to faith, and God is being glorified. That, we see that throughout the rest of the book of Acts, and we've seen that throughout the church's history. It's amazing. The Lord also, though, he uses our suffering for our sanctification. And Peter writes about that in, in 1 Peter 1, 6 and 7. In this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials, so that the tested genuineness of your faith, which is more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. There are so many ways that we experience suffering, and we don't always understand it, and it's not easy, and we don't see the fruit at all times. But what we do know is that the Holy Spirit is working those things in our life to make us more like Christ. And really, it causes us to depend on Him and rely on Him all the more. And so the encouragement in this is that in our suffering, God is working for our good. And this is being done by His Spirit that He has given to us as our helper. He is with us. And so really, Jesus' ascension is addition by subtraction. Because he left, it means that we will never be without him. His spirit comes to indwell his people in a fuller way. I mean, it's ironic really to think about, but Jesus left so that we might never again be apart from him. So that we would be even nearer to him. That's what he told his disciples. He said, I'm sending the helper to you. He will be with you forever. He will make his home in you. And it's to your advantage that I go so that he would come. Had Jesus stayed spatially as fully God but fully man, he would have been limited to one place at one time. But now, spiritually, he is available to us and present with us at all times, in all places, and in our suffering, we can turn to him for encouragement. Because his spirit has come and taken up residence in our hearts, as Paul writes in Ephesians 6, or in Ephesians 3, we now can know Jesus all the more. He is available to us in a personal and intimate way. And so we get to enjoy his presence spiritually, here and now. And so it's so true when he said, never will I leave you, nor will I forsake you. But friends, even though we enjoy the spiritual presence now, we also get to look forward to the day when we will enjoy the physical presence of our Lord for all eternity as well. That's what's, that's what's going on in verse 10 of Acts chapter 1. We're going back to the reaction of the disciples as he ascends. There are so many reasons to rejoice, but one of the greatest ones is this. They are assured that he is going to come again. The angel said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? 
This Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will come in the same manner that you saw him go into heaven. Beloved, we have been given a wonderful gift in the spirit of Christ that we get to enjoy him in his fullness now. But there's also a day when we will get to enjoy him all the more, physically, in person. And so we say, come, Lord Jesus, come quickly. Amen.